Hey guys, Mike here again. Uh, this time we have a couple of new people here on this uh, pop-in podcast event that we're doing. Uh, so for those of you who listened to the last episode, we talked a little bit about um, having an event here at the Hilco Homes office, bringing together people from all over the real estate community in San Antonio. Um, so I have with me a couple of individuals. I'm going to let them introduce themselves and then we're just going to start talking. So... Mike, before I introduce myself, I gotta say I love your podcast vo- podcast voice. Sounds Thanks. super radio DJ personality. I love it. <laughs> Thanks. Hey, what's going on, guys? This is uh, Juan Bustos, Real Talk Real Estate, Real Talk Motivation, uh, and Family First Life Life Insurance Agent Extraordinaire. What's going on? Extraordinaire, like Extraordinaire. that. Extraordinaire. <laughs> I add that at the end of everything. He's not just any insurance agent and wholesaler. I'm yeah. the insurance agent, wholesaler, business owner, entrepreneur. <laughs> Okay, and introduce yourself. So, uh, my name is Luis Alonso. Uh, I'm a real estate agent, wholesaler. Um, my company is uh, Mentor Capital LLC. Okay. And, uh, you know, we wholesale properties, sell properties, and. Nice. You know, the so whole how thing. Long, how long have you been in wholesaling? Uh, I've been in actually wholesaling for about three years. Three uh, years. I've been a real estate agent for five yeah. years. Okay. And so, is, is that all you do, or do you have other businesses on the side, or is real estate just your. your... Right now, just real estate. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. How do, you, how do you like it? Uh, man, it's a grind. Uh, <laughs> I, I have to love it, you know, just yeah. because all of a sudden I hate it, then I come to love it, you yeah. know, and, yeah. and all of a sudden it just kind of changes the mood of once you start, you know, finishing yeah, it's the very projects. cyclical yeah very cyclical what do they say in the marines embrace the suck yeah right yeah. Embrace, embrace the embrace the crappy part of everything yeah and right. Juan how long have you been in, in real estate oh man I've been in real estate for about four years about four, four years. years let's see 2015 so about four and a half years actually okay since July of 2015 Cool, cool. So what do you guys think of the event so far? Having fun? Uh, it's pretty fun. Uh, somebody said free food. I came running. <laughs> well, walking because I'm a fat boy. So. <laughs> you got here as fast as you I could. I got here as fast as I could. Yeah. <laughs> Took a couple breaks in the middle. So. And how did you hear about the event? Um, actually, uh, you know, uh, I guess on Facebook, uh, yeah. you guys had uh, invited me. Uh, but of course, you know, we, uh, me and Marco talk here and there you yeah know, yeah just, uh, do, do you happen to know anybody else that, that's here at the event uh quentin yeah, uh, yeah. marco um so fun fact quentin just did his very first podcast episode here um he was making fun of my my hillco podcast voice and i was like i was like well you want you can jump in and do it and he's like okay so he just sat down and he interviewed his own people and did a whole episode by himself with the wow, with his own people cool. so that that was that was fun to watch yeah. and uh, we're gonna we're gonna put that up but um yeah i mean uh, quentin's a great guy and uh, um now I kind of know a little bit about your story getting into into wholesaling because we, right. we were at the same company at that time. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You were like IT or something like that, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I started with that company as a as a consultant doing uh, services, building out a CRM for them. And, and I then, started uh, not knowing what the hell I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, you like know, we all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, eventually, that went from 
uh, oh, you're the IT guy too. Oh, I didn't know you were an investor and had sales experience. Why don't yeah. you work for the company? Uh, and that's what, that's what ended up happening. Um, but yeah, so what do you guys feel about the current real estate market here in San Antonio? I know a lot of people are talking about it slowing down or uh, it's you know, oversaturated. I mean, what, do, what are your thoughts? What are you seeing in the market right now? Do you want to take the first hit? Well, I guess, um, you know, you just have like... You have to find your niche, you know, first of all, yeah. uh, to just kind of know how to go about it and what to do. Um, what I try to do is just, you know, follow up regardless, you know, because I might have things that I've worked on and started maybe six months ago and all of yeah, a sudden they're yeah. penning out now, you know. Yeah. And that's, that's um, where the money is. It's all in the follow up. It is. Uh, there's very few deals that happen on the first go. Or, or even on like the third or fourth go, you know. But yeah, it's 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 hard to tap in. It's hard to tap into those that do happen on the first go. Um, you're right; it is all in the follow up. I feel like with what's happening right now, the the talk about saturation and all that stuff, and about you know how the market's correcting itself and whatnot. I mean, it happens everywhere, right? The market corrects itself. The market flat, you know, straightens out. It drops. Whatever it goes up and down, topsy turvy, left, right, back and forth, whatever, right? The, the fact of the matter is, is, as long as you're sticking to your guns and, like he mentioned, find a niche, right? Just stick to that and don't move away from it. Do what you know works and you'll be okay. It might slow down a little bit for you based on your niche, whatever your niche is. Yeah. Uh, if you're wholesaling, I, th I, I think if you're wholesaling, you'll have... Um, how can I put this? You'll have, you'll, you'll have consistency even throughout the slow times. Right, because as long as the numbers work, the thing about real estate is right. there's only two things that matter, numbers and sellability, right? Mm -hmm. Can you sell this to somebody and do the numbers work? It's right. all logic. That's right. what I mean. I've been a salesman my entire life and I've always had to like increase or show the value to consumers. But the thing about selling, wholesaling to investors is that it's all logical. It either makes sense or it doesn't. And if right. it doesn't make sense, no big deal, right? But as long as you stick to those guns, I think you should be okay. There's a, there is a lot of saturation. You had a lot of people read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. You had a lot of people read, uh, you know, Seller Be Sold. You have guys like Grant Cardone and, you know, Robert Kiyosaki and all them coming out talking about how you can make millions in real estate and all this stuff, which yeah, is great yeah. and very true. But eventually, eventually you get to a point to where all the... F I call them fake entrepreneurs. I don't want to be mean to anybody, <laughs> but I, you know, the, the people who don't hold to their guns, the people who are just in it because it's a fad, mm -hmm. they're going to get blown out of the water. And so I just feel like that's what's happening right now. I've already seen a lot of deals come back around two, three, four times because people aren't sticking to their guns and contracting at the right price. Yeah. And I, I, I want to touch on that because I think that's a really important thing um, from the investor standpoint. Um, I am always telling people, um, no matter what degree of investor they are, it's always about what you are comfortable doing, what you know. Right. Um, you know, there, uh, there's always going to be fads, right? Uh, you know, like uh, there's this new strategy. You can get your money back, blah, 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 multiply a yeah. hundred times, you know, yeah. whatever. Like, great. It might work. But the fact is, if you don't understand it and you're not comfortable with it, you right. probably shouldn't do it. Right. Um, right. And, and I would say that the same goes for business. But I think business is a little bit of a different monster because things change. The market changes. And if you don't change with it, then you're not going to grow with it. Right. Um, and, and sure, there's always going to be things where you're comfortable. You know those things. You have to be consistent with them. But I think if you're not adapting and being consistent with 
those things like building new habits, right? Um, or, or a better understanding how to serve your clientele or your end customer. Um, that's where things start to mess up. Whereas, you know, being an investor, you know, you stick to your numbers, you, you do the strategies that work for you. That's in, in your best interest. Um, uh, and I, I just think that was interesting that you, you brought that up. I think, um, I think that with, uh, it's business is funny because you gotta be willing to take the risk of running the business but you also have to be you also have to be like you mentioned comfortable and comfortable is a word that a lot of people like to say isn't a good word because if you're comfortable you're not progressing but the fact of the matter is you can be comfortable with a risk right right yeah. you can be comfortable with taking the chance because you've analyzed the risk and minimized your chance of loss right so right. you can be comfortable with taking that risk uh you know like like apple Right, they were comfortable with taking the risks of moving forward in their, in their genre, their you know their their industry, right? Because they had analyzed the risk and they said, you know what, this is where everything's going. That we need to get there first. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you well, do need to be it's comfortable. It's just like being an investor. Know your numbers. Right? Exactly. Yeah. I and mean, then, you have to know how to analyze a deal, and it's the same thing with business. You know how to analyze your risk. You know what exactly. what does it mean for your bottom line? What does it mean for your your end user? What does it mean for your employees and your team? You know, like right. there's there's a lot more variables, obviously, and it, it depends on the size of the business, the kind of business, and all those things. But no, I, I think you're right too. You know, being comfortable means different things to different people. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And I just want to add something, man, to where um, sometimes the numbers don't work, but you do so much business with, you know, different investors that, you know, you get to build the trust and based on the trust, maybe they're looking at the deal, you know, from the bottom going up instead of, you know, you can look at the deal from where, where it's capping out and maybe it's, it could turn into a sub two and you look at the deal from the where, where it caps out, you know, to what you can sell it for. And so it's like, right. and that goes back to talking about, um, you know, when, you know, fads come and go, right. There's different strategies right? and the numbers look different depending on the strategy that you're using. And, you know, uh, if you're, if you're a fix and flipper and that's all you ever do, you're going to look at every single deal as if it was a fix and flip, right? but not every deal is good to fix and flip. Some deals like, are good for buying holes. Some deals right, are good for right. wholesaling and some deals are just depends. Right. Know? And those numbers are going to look different than they would for a fix and flip. Right. You know? Exactly. Um, and, and, but at the same time, it's like, if you're really good at fix and flips and, and you love doing that and that's, that's your go-to strategy, then there may not be a need to deviate from it or to diversify. I mean, it's always smart to diversify because again, it's going back to yeah. knowing the numbers, knowing your risk, knowing what what you're what you can tolerate. Um, but you know, if you if you're not educated in those things, you're never going to see them, and you're not going to know what questions to ask. And and the funny thing about you know the funny thing about wholesaling, what I've noticed is that you have to know all of these strategies. Yeah. Like you have to be familiar with that. Like. You have no idea how many times, or um, you might have an idea, but I know my partner Zagla has an idea of like how many times we've seen a house, and I'm like, I know who's gonna buy that, because I know that certain people are comfortable with paying an extra two, three, maybe even four thousand dollars just to be in a certain area because they're comfortable with that area, right? Right. So I can like it happened earlier this year. I had um we had a wholesale deal. It had a little bit of equity in it, but it needed maybe like ten. $10,000 in rehab, right? Mm -hmm. Just some updates here and there. The house was built in 2007, just needed maybe about 10000 in rehab. Yeah. Well, we kept getting people coming back. I think the ARV was like 175 180 
Um, and we had people coming back at like 100. Like we were trying to sell it at 112. I don't remember the exact number. It was like 110, 112. People kept coming back at 100. People kept coming back at 102, 103. Mm-hmm. We ended up selling it closer to asking price to a certain person who liked the area and liked the fact that the rehab was so low and was comfortable with that area. I mean, we went from not making any money, actually losing money, to, I mean, we didn't make a lot. We made, what was the deal? Not like 500 bucks? We made like 500 bucks. We made, it was like a thousand bucks, but hey, $1,000 is better than no thousand dollars, right? Like Yeah, and and that's, <clears throat> that's kind of, I think, what I was uh, trying to bring up or talk a little bit about in terms of like market saturation or market stagnation. Um, I think because there are there is so much activity with wholesalers and you know quote unquote investors right. um, that you know at this point people are just grabbing any kind of deal. It's the the savvy, experienced investors who stick to their numbers that aren't buying right now yeah. because you know they're seeing you know eighty percent all in deals or eighty two percent all in deals and they're not going to buy that but the other people who are just hungry for anything they're going to see that and say oh 18 percent i can i can i can deal with that you know that 18 yeah, percent equity that's that's looking at it as a like a like a fix and flip opportunity right if you look at a buy and hold right and you right. look at somebody who's going to rent it out maybe even somebody who's going to own or finance it they're looking at the long run right they're not looking at that they're not necessarily always looking at that 18 percent they're looking at the fact that I'll owner finance it at 150, but in the long run, I'm actually making like 300 because of the interest, right? Because right. you're owner but financing that. That equity interest. position is still important to know anyway, because even if you're doing a, a, a buy and hold, um, if your cash out of pocket or your overall investment cuts into your equity position, but you're higher in on the investment in, on the front end, then your rent rates as your cash flowing means you're having a lower return. I mean, yeah. obviously everybody knows if you can get into it at the lowest price, the and you're what, yeah, you compared to the rent rates possible. you know yeah. that you, that's gonna that's gonna give you your cap or your return on investment yeah. uh, there's all kinds of other metrics we can get into but um, uh, uh, at the price point that you're going in if you have a smaller equity position than what you should be is definitely going to bring your returns down yeah. um, and that's true for owner finance it's true and, for and that for, also that also ties into the whole so we met at a at an investment firm you and i met at an investment mm-hmm. firm that we both used to work at and their strategy i didn't quite understand it at the time but as i grew and i learned more about real estate i understood that they were they were selling they were basically selling uh turnkey properties right, right? they were selling right. turnkey properties to people who had 401ks, IRAs, and stuff like that, where, hey, I'll just give you my money and get a 20% return, 17% return, that's great, right? Yeah. You, you also gotta look at the people who are like, like you also gotta look at the fact that you're gonna put time and effort into it, versus, I mean, you can make money selling turnkey properties, yeah. right? Yeah. You can make money being 80, 85% all in, promise somebody else uh, a 15% return and all you got to do is give me your money and you know I'll get your 15% back right that's yeah, private yeah. investors right so yeah. you you can you you got to look at all that and like I mentioned earlier as a wholesaler you have to know all these strategies to like get to find the right buyers like I like <coughs> excuse me I pride myself in seeing a deal and being like I know who wants to buy that I know who would look at that I know who's going to take this deal seriously because you can say you got buyers who are like, hey, man, just send me my bread and butter. Three twos rentals, right? right? right. Three twos so that are on rentals. that note, this is one thing that I, I feel that um, in the conversation of wholesaling isn't really talked about a whole lot. And now to kind of like 
put some context like i'm a big believer in uh uh, knowing what the end in mind is before going into something. Yep. Um, and I come, f- and I guess I have that from like an investor standpoint, right? Like know your exits, know your options before you pick something up. But I think the same is true for, for business, right? Like uh, every business is a people business, regardless of whatever industry you're in. So for, for wholesalers, that's investors, real estate investors. Um, and I feel that there's not a whole lot of conversations going on about knowing your investors and having quality customer service. Um, you know, it's, it's always about how to talk to the seller, how to get the contract, um, how to pitch that contract at at what numbers to get your fee and then closing that deal at the, at title. But it's like, then what? Like, do you follow up with your investors? I do. Like, oh, yeah, I, I, you like, take I send them to lunch, you take yeah, them to... You, that's actually yeah, where it's yeah. at, man, because... You, you send them a postcard, you know, Yeah, whatever. once you, once you find basket, a good investor... You know, buy them a beer at the bar or something. Yeah, yeah, once you find a good investor and they, like... You can see it in their eyes, man, to be honest with you, because they're looking at you. Uh, you're the one finding the deals. You know, they're the ones just, in a sense, with the money, you yeah. know? Yeah. And so, you know, you're the one finding the deals, and you just got to, like explain to them like look this is your cup you know uh you could look at it you know halfway empty or halfway full and so and how you do that just explaining you know you know at least three exit strategies to Mm -hmm. like say look it could either work like this or like this it doesn't work like this so we should you know push you know this way and so it's it's more like once you start you know getting those investors it's always good to follow up with them yeah, I think, uh, I think because that, that's, that's yeah. where it's at. I think that I agree. I think that knowing your investor, I think that getting those investors that are, are buyers that are like, you know, consistent buyers. I have a list. A lot of people, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, I have a list of a thousand or two thousand buyers and this and that. Now, I'm not joking. I have a list of like 50 people, 50 people that I've I, sold more than one deal to. Yeah, yeah. I have a yeah. solid 10, man. Yeah. Solid 10. I mean, yeah. I have. Maybe yeah. And, and then 40, out of those 50, maybe I work with like maybe like like five to ten of them yeah yeah, yeah no and, and that's and that's typical that should be expected yeah. you know and, uh, I, and, and I, I think work, that's why people like strive to get the really big lists because that means your percentages get higher and you have yeah. more options but I, I think the reality is um, that's an uphill battle of quantity versus quality yeah um, and when you know your investor that's going to make the front end so much easier because you can talk to the seller and be like, hey, I already know who's going to buy this. This is the numbers they're going to ask for. This is what they're going to do. And I know that because I know this guy. I talk to him you regularly. You can guarantee a close. You can guarantee right, right. exactly what you're promising. And, and that'll that'll help, like like you mentioned, like if you know these guys. like and, and it comes from not just from knowing them. And the way you get to know them is just... Like I'll call buyers afterwards and be like, "Hey, how's that project going?" Right. Yeah. Do you want? Me? I've gone to I've gone to projects to go check up on them for them, or I've gone. You know, I've gone to meet up. You know, they've already flipped it, and I've gone to do their realtor's job and gone to show their property because they don't. They you you provide that customer service and you learn that from guys like I said, like guys like Grant Cardone, Gary V, right? Those guys, they talk about service after the sale mm-hmm. right? right they talk about service right. after the sale and that's one of the things that makes a good wholesaler like what people don't realize is that what a lot of wholesalers these like that are in the market today that are saturated in the market that we're talking about yeah and the reason there's a lot of this investor versus wholesaler kind of talk right now is because a lot of these wholesalers don't realize like hey man you're a salesman like we we are salesmen right we have mm-hmm. to do service after the sale as well 
You yeah. can't just go out there and expect to make $25,000 on every single deal. Yeah. You're going to go out there. Do, I've been to the title company to pick up a $150 check before. I've done it. I've done it. So, But even after that sale, even and I remember it was a little tiny little lot, right? And the guy was like, hey, um, I need you to go show this lot to this potential. So the guy was selling the, he was, he was going to rent out the lot rights to a billboard, right? He, mm. They were going to build a billboard on it and they were going to put, you know what I mean? He was going to rent it out to these people. Um, and he's like, I need you to go show this piece of dirt, right, to these potential, you know, renters, right? And I'm like, okay. So I get there and I'm like, hey, here's the dirt. He's like, do you want to build a billboard on it, right? But the fact of the matter is that guy ended up buying four more houses from me within that year, yeah. right? Yeah. He ended up buying four more houses from me within that year because I went to go show a piece of dirt because I did the service after the sale. What a lot of wholesalers don't realize, and these are the ones that are going to get blown out of the water, and this is why there's so much uh, conversation about investors versus wholesalers, is that these guys don't, they don't provide the service after the sale, mm -hmm. and they just... They want to get mad because somebody lowballs them. Don't get mad, dude. That's just it's just part of the you know part of the job, right? Like, yeah, yeah. if you're asking fifty and they come in at thirty-five, hey man, you know what? That's not gonna work. I need to be as close to asking as possible. I need to be, uh, you know, I need to. My bottom dollar is forty-two. Whatever, can you make it work? But don't get mad and be like, no, you're crazy, because then you just sound like some person off the street who's trying to sell their own house. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. And you said something interesting about service after the sale. Um, and I think there's actually something uh, called service before the sale that mm -hmm. is extremely important because, um, at least in my experience, that is uh, setting the proper expectations through conversation, regular com conversations and communication, right? right? So, you know, like I've been working with a gentleman from another state. He's going to buy from us. He just hasn't found that one deal that meets his numbers, right? right. But I send him deals anyway. And I know they don't fit his, his, his numbers, but I send them so that we can have that conversation right. and be like, this is where I'm at. This is what we, how this deal works, blah, blah, blah. And I've sent him maybe like eight or nine deals at this point and he still hasn't bought, you know, but uh, considering he has business partners and everybody has to be in agreement a hundred percent, like it, it makes it a little more difficult. Right. Um, but when we get to that point that you have that contract and they're ready to buy, then they already know I'm going to give them a counter to whatever offer they bring me. And either that or I'm going to give them a number and they're going to understand why I'm giving them that number so I don't get that pushback. Because I could, because we have, we've had that communication and we understand where each other is. Whereas if I just have a list of buyers and I call them up and say, Hey, I have this deal. And then they give me some, what I think is a ridiculous counter. Yeah. Like, I don't know how they communicate. Right. So I don't know if he's, you know, really serious about it or uh, if I should take offense to that or, yeah. you know, how, how to respond. I don't feel you should take offense to any offer. You should oh, just no, be like, no. Hey, you know what? That that's just not going to work. Like it's, Look, the fact of the matter is people are going to lowball you, whether they're investors, whether yeah, they're yeah. buyers, sellers, it doesn't matter. People are going to lowball you. They're going to highball you. They're not going to be where you want them to be no matter what you want. Yeah. It's I've, it's happened once. Once. And I, I, should, I, I shit you not, it, this happened to me one time. I ran numbers at, on a house. We had gotten a lead from Chato, the, the virtual assistant from Hilco, right? Mm -hmm. We had gotten a lead and I ran the I ran some preliminary numbers and I was like, I probably need to be around 52 for this. I call up the guy and he's like, oh yeah, I need to be at... Um, I call up the guy, I talk to him, I ask him, hey, how much are you asking? He's like, oh, uh, I'm asking 52 for it. I shit you not, the exact number I was looking for was the exact number he gave me. But in four and a half years, that's only happened once. So nobody's <laughs> going to be where you want them to be. Yeah, it's just yeah. not going to happen. And for you to expect that, 
It's just not going to happen. And for you to get offended because they're not where you want to be, like, people are going to be higher than where you want to be. People are going to be lower than where you want to be. They're mm-hmm. never going to be right where you want to be. And what you got to do, you know, at, at, at that point, it's more like um, you just have to teach them, you know, what's right. actually, you know, yeah. what you're seeing, what you're looking at, you know, um, how to analyze it, you know, because even when you're buying it, you know, like, I just don't go over there to buy their house. You know, I go over there to say, look, so what's your strat? What, what do you want to do after you sell your house? Like when you find that out and you can actually provide value to that, then they're going to sell you the house, you know, regardless of price, you know, it doesn't even matter of price. It's more of like you fix my problem. We provided a solution. And from there is how you create value, even with that person, because sometimes they be like, that happened to me twice where that person those people became investors because they're like yeah. look now i have thirty thousand in my hand yeah. you know what can i do with it well first of all i'll find them a, a house or something to like you know here here's a house here's you know down payment or whatever you know so now come to the office let's see how we can move that money and so you know finding all these strategies or or, or opportunities as far as properties you know you find them a maybe a sub two deal and you mm-hmm. tell them look buy the sub two deal you have 20 pay the reinstatement fee you pay the you know the repairs and this money will double you know so sell this house i'll be your agent this is yeah. how much it is it's going to be you know um, as far as closing costs provide that value as well and just continue man and that once you make them money like i made them money themselves and it's like dude you become their their god in the yeah. sense of money yeah. you, you know their, and no, so you, become, you, you see become, their eyes you know you become like, their consultant yeah, you become their, their, their go-to guy right <laughs> yeah you become their best friend you you yeah, know and you mentioned something and, the, and one of the best ways that i found to provide value is that you know you mentioned earlier setting expectations right i find and it's so funny because i always make the the dark knight movie reference to this right when you set the correct expectations as long as you don't stray away from that most people would just go with whatever it is that you're saying to do, right? right like, right. you're the professional, you set the expectations, and it happens not just in real estate, but I just recently started selling life insurance, right? I'll get to an appointment, and I'll be like, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to ask you these questions, we're going to do this, then we're going to submit an application, see if you qualify, and if you qualify, we'll get it started on whatever day you want, blah, blah. They could tell me, oh, I'm not interested. They could tell me, here, if you want to use this. They could tell me, oh, I'm not interested, or no, I don't want to buy, or whatever, blah, blah, blah. But... I don't care about those objections because I tell I set the expectations and as long as right. nothing strays away from those expectations, most people think they're getting a great deal, right? Most people, I mean, typically they are because I try and get them the best that I possibly can, especially when it comes to life insurance. These people are usually older on a fixed income or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. But as long as you set those expectations, whether it's with, you know, life insurance uh, applicants, whether it's with sellers, you know, I make the Dark Knight movie reference because the Joker in there says, you know, you tell, you know, people go crazy when it comes to anarchy right as as long as everything goes according to plan they're okay if a if a tank full of soldiers gets blown up people are okay nobody blinks an eye because that's what's supposed to happen to soldiers right they're supposed to die in war right that's that's what's supposed to happen you're telling politicians gonna get killed and everybody loses their mind because that's not what the plan is right so it's similar to setting expectations with sellers or with potential life insurance applicants is that you say if this is what's going to happen 
And even if at the end of the day, what's going to happen is not what they wanted to happen, they're okay with it because that's that's what you told them was going to happen because you're the yeah. professional. You're the real estate professional. You're the motivation professional. You're the life insurance professional. You're the guy who knows what, what he's doing. So as long as you tell them that this is what's going to happen, most of the time they're just going to be like, okay. They want to be told what to do. People yeah. want to be told what to do. So if you just set that expectation and make it seem like it was kind of like it was their idea, yeah, yeah. I think that's why well, I'm so good at sales because... And I think part of it too is they just want it to be easy. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. They want they a plan. They, they want something want, to follow. Yeah, they, they do it for something. them, yeah, you know, yeah. from cradle to grave, you know, like... And that's what we do too, man, with the investors is we, we help them on the first three deals and we help them from cradle to grave. From then on, we provided all the expectations. We provided, you know, they learned, at the, you know, mm-hmm. within that... Uh, time of you know doing three properties what to look for you know uh, what expectations what uh, strategies to look for you know how to look at the properties and from there they're not going to look for another wholesaler another realtor or another you know they're going to just come back to to us to find more properties to you know sit down and and and, and, you know because it's easy because they already know they already know what the process is as long as they know what's going to happen you're good. They want to come, keep coming back to you because, hey, this is working for me, so I'm going to keep doing it. You know, why would I stray away? Don't fix it. You know, if it's not broke, don't fix it, right? Yeah. yeah. So. All right. Well, thanks, guys, for jumping in on here in this pop-in podcast that in the <laughs> middle of a party. Podcast in the so, middle of a party. So uh, it, was, it was a great conversation. I think we had not a lot gonna of lie, Not going to lie, everybody that's listening, I've had a few beers, so <laughs> a lot of that was a buzzed rant. This is my first... But, uh, to many, that's my first podcast, right? You yeah, my first podcast too. I just popped my own cherry at the same time. So. That's crazy. That's crazy. It's your first podcast. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Well, thank you. I'm glad. Sure. I'm glad you could uh, you could be here with Hilco for for this. But, uh, just because I was drinking does not mean that that wasn't good advice. So <laughs> I'm just throwing yeah, it out there. Yeah, he just told you everything. I, 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 I spew stuff. knowledge whenever I drink. So Me too, I'm man. Just, I could be at a bar talking to some dude, and I'm like, you know what you should buy? You should buy this investment property. <laughs> so, but, um, yeah, I just wanted to uh, thank everybody for listening and uh, let you finish off on that. All right. Well, thanks. All right. And that was another episode of the Hillcombs podcast. But before we sign off and do a complete finish, um, I want to give a quick shout out to you, our listeners. Thank you for listening to the show. Uh, We can't do it without you. Um, We hope that we are continuously bringing you value. Um, But we also want to give a big shout out to our sponsors at Longhorn Investments. So Jade Floydis and the team over there do a great job working with investors of all skill levels. If you are an investor in the central South Texas area and you're looking to find and partner with a hard money lender, definitely give them a, a check out. I mean, they, they are great with their process. They make it as smooth and simple as possible. Uh, I highly recommend them. Uh, check them out. They, you can find them on Facebook. You can find them uh, online, on Instagram. Uh, let them know that we sent them to you. All right. Have a good one.